Street Epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about Street Epistemology at streetepistemology.com. Let's definitely get started. Uh, thanks for uh, for joining me for this third Ask Me Anything. And Addison, thank you for being behind the scenes and coordinating it all. Boy, there's so much to talk about with SE. I've been so busy. I'm I'm wiped. Honest, I'm just really wiped with SE related stuff. But uh, I definitely enjoy doing it for sure. It's it's nice to see the fruits of our labor over these years. Yes, yeah, so you recently oh. released the first part of the course. We did. We released phase one of the course Navigating Beliefs. And last I checked, we had, I think we're closing in on 800 signups now. Okay. Something like that. Pretty damn good. Uh, of course, I've always want you know, more and more and more people to do that. But uh, yeah, the first half of the, mo of the course is done. We talk about uh, pretty much the things that you need to do prior to starting the talk. Although we do cover the building and maintaining rapport. So just edging into the conversation, uh, all the things up to that point are covered. And we do cover the steps of SE as well. So for people that want to know about the claim or the confidence level, the reasons, the epistemology, ending the conversation, we cover that at a real high level. But we're writing those modules now. In fact, for the last two weeks, we've been spending probably eight to 10 hours a week three to four people just hammering at it and outlining things and starting the writing of that. That's going real good. Oh, and we started really cool. This is neat too. We started a translation effort. So we found we've, yeah, we have volunteers to translate the first part of that course into German, Russian, French, Spanish, and Dutch. Wow. Okay. So that's really neat. And that's posing a few challenges too. We're going to have to, we're going to have to tweak the actual application that we use so that even the navigation buttons are translated. So it's a, it's a, it's a pretty significant effort. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if, if you're interested in helping us translate the course into one of those languages, then please reach out uh, contact at street epistemology, international.org. And we will, we'll, we'll see if, what, what value you can bring to the team. And if you can help us out, that would be great. So in we speak any this... foreign languages. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Very badly, so no. <laughs> um, yeah. <clears throat> tiny bits. Um, so yeah, in regards to the AMA, do you have any ground rules or anything you'd like to just state beforehand so we don't have to keep repeating it? Not really. I mean, I guess I would prefer to be somewhat like SE-ish or SE-adjacent. Yeah. I think one time somebody wanted to talk about free will and we, we dabbled in that a little bit, but it's philosophy maybe we can keep that on the back burner and keep it more relevant to street epistemology oh you can talk about if you have questions about the nonprofit or my own work maybe maybe you have some questions about my channel or something like that i actually started going through and digging up old videos that i have saved in my on my hard drives and i'm going to start releasing those okay so uh, yeah i'm shooting for this thursday to release a conversation that i had with these two ladies on the trail Wow, about okay. deja vu yeah we started talking about deja vu and then it kind of went in a different direction but it was still a really cool talk so and now i can over new hmm? old anthony content 
New old, yeah, I'm calling it vintage. I, ha I have a little <laughs> yeah. thing at the start. Yeah. <laughs> vintage SE. <laughs> yeah. So it looks like we've got our first um, person who wants to ask a question. Chase. Thank you, Chase. Uh, okay. Hey, Chase. Invite you up to the stage. Chase, Ch Chase always to, comes through. Just to say, obviously, um, this this is being recorded. And so if you're happy uh, with your voice and video being published, um, then, yeah, feel free to ask a question. Um, so with that being said, here's Chase. Hello, Chase. All right. Hello. Cool. Good to see y'all. Good to see you. Good to see you. Hey, uh, so question um if you w were going out doing fc and uh the claim and the claimant seemed to be of a extreme bigoted nature um let's say like just um blatantly racist like and unapologetic and uh arrogantly so and like etc do you think that it would be appropriate to, um, like, which do you think would be better to heighten, if anything, I guess, the rapport versus the level of challenging? Like, I, I kind of feel like maybe we shouldn't worry about rapport so much and should work more on challenging their reasons. But maybe you keep it equally balanced or maybe you focus more on rapport um, to kind of build a connection with this person to then eventually, you know, reach them? Yeah, that's a pretty good question. I, I suppose I would lean more towards the rapport. The, the stronger that I disagree with somebody, this might be a, like a good rule, but the stronger that you disagree with somebody or the, the bigger the chasm between your positions, you probably need to spend more time on rapport. Um, and in yeah. doing so, though, do you think you might run the risk of running out of time? Like if you're oh, building well, if time this is rapport, a factor. Right. Yeah, like are, are you doing this for a channel or something? Yeah, imagine it was just your one of your typical SC videos going out in the park or whatever. Uh -huh. um, you know, if you know you only got ten or twenty minutes with this person, most likely. Um, yeah, and, you know, and, and you you don't want to. I, I wouldn't want to let them rant for too long about their prejudiced beliefs. I would want to spend more time challenging that stuff, and I could mm -hmm. be kind of nice about it, but I wouldn't uh, personally want to focus too much on rapport. I mean, yeah. to some degree, I, sure, but yeah, I understand. So the dynamics when you're doing street epistemology on the street like that with people uh strangers tend to give you a little bit more of a great a, a grace period or when it comes to that that type of stuff with rapport so you could probably get away with little rapport in fact most of the conversations that i have with people i i would spend very little time on rapport it's and i think i made up for that gap by by doing other things like active listening and not misrepresenting their position, no straw manning, no leading and loaded questions. Those are the things that can jeopardize rapport. So I guess it maybe the assumption that you, you don't have any rapport with somebody when you first start, maybe that's a little bit of a, a misnomer, especially or miss, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A mistake to think of it that way. Because when you're talking with a stranger, I think we we're much more charitable with people that we don't know uh, at the very start. And it's how you're conducting yourself during the conversation that can damage rapport. Yeah. So if you haven't established rapport, um, you're probably still okay in those situations. 
Uh, what do you think about? You could ahead, be you could be deduct you could be deducting from that report if you're, you know, if you're rolling your eyes at what they say or you're like, you know, like directly uh, debating them, then report is going to really suffer. Yeah, so it's I guess probably not necessary. You, you probably don't have to spend a lot of time like building and establishing rapport in those situations. Yeah, I guess what I'm, you know, imagining is, you know, sticking to strict SE and having a, you know, a, a polite tone and, and that kind of thing, but maybe be more willing to interrupt if necessary, if they're just going on a big tangent, you know, like trying to steer them back a little bit, you know, a polite interruption uh, so that you can get back to the essence of it, which is challenging this stuff once you've understood it. Like, because if they just keep going and making the same points over and over, it's just kind of a waste of time, I think. Well, sometimes also I think people don't understand what it is you're doing. Yeah. People, people aren't used to exploring the quality of their reasons in those situations. So I think people would just naturally gravitate towards messaging, messaging, messaging. And uh, you, you're reminding me of a talk that I had with that one street preacher, Caleb, in front of the Alamo. It was one of the yeah. early, early talks that I had where he was just in message mode. And I think I even said, you know, Caleb, listen, I don't want to debate with you. I want to discuss with you or something, something along those lines. So it's okay to interrupt if you want to sort of, um, you know, point the direction of the conversation in a, in a, in a productive one. I think that that's okay. useful. And you might have to do it a couple of times because people are, people aren't usually used to, to, uh, reflecting on their beliefs in those situations. They're used to, they're, they think that they're on. They're on, and they they need to message and get their point across. So yeah, and I think you can cushion you the inter you can cushion uh, the interruption by saying, you know, hey, I hate to interrupt, you know, uh, but and then steer it back, you know. Yeah, yes, yeah. So it seems like you're jumping from topic to topic to topic, and I'm really interested in selecting one of those and and boiling it down to a specific claim, and then getting into your justifications for it and how you determine that those are good reasons. Do you think we can try something like that? You might have to do that a couple of times. But I've had yeah. situations where I, I've tried that again and again and again, and it just they they just weren't they just weren't in that mindset. So it takes some it takes some patience, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, all right. Thanks for your input there. I guess the uh, last question I have I might have asked before another day, but. Um, like, are, are there any claims that you think should not be engaged with any, like, again, going on the, the bigoted realm of it, like, say something, uh, like, if, if somebody were to make a claim such as X group of people should be killed, you know, should you engage with that person? Should you SC them? Should you debate them? Should you protest against them? Should you uh, refuse to interact, you know, like, or is this a perfect ex time for SE, you know? In my personal view, that's a perfect time for SE. Perfect, like if if they're if they have views like that where they're willing to harm people because of their views, then yeah, I mean that would be the the perfect type of person that I would want to talk with because of the the ramifications of what their beliefs are. So that would be for sure. But there, I could definitely see there there are people who might say, well, no, I, I wouldn't be comfortable doing that. I would shut them down. I wouldn't want to platform them. That type of thing. And remember, you can always have those conversations, presuming that you're not live streaming these, but you could always have the discussion and just decide not to upload it if, if that's your thing. Although I can sure. imagine there might be people around recording it now. If I'm, I'm trying to envision 
I'm sort of envisioning like a really chaotic scenario where that might happen, but there's an example. I think that it might even still be up. There was a, there was a YouTube channel called I met Lucas. And I think it was a guy named Lucas who sat down on a park bench with a white supremacist. And I don't remember much of the conversation, but mm. it probably went along those lines and he engaged with that individual. So just whatever's whatever's within your comfort zone. If it's out, if you feel, you know, morally vexed by it, or you think you might be platforming bad ideas, then you know, don't do it. But the way that I look at it is that street epistemology is is the best tool for exploring how people justify these beliefs that they want to act out on and that they do act out on, and it could be a missed opportunity. That's how I was. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. And I might, I think I agree. You know, I just think that so long as the questions are challenging enough, you know, so long as, um, yeah. And, and I guess right. so long as, and, and so long as rapport stays good, you know, um, then you're doing SE, I think, but you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I've yeah. seen situations. I, I could definitely envision a situation where you're asking questions to understand, cause that could be one of your goals of SE and that what's the next could go of SE or should go of SE. Sorry. It's reflection. Well, you may never get the reflection. So you might just be at understanding. And in the process of understanding, you're getting these messages and messages and messages with very little challenging and pushback. That could be really frustrating to viewers who's ex who might be expecting an SE type of interaction where there is reflection and there is that challenging component. And uh, that, could, that could definitely be frustrating for viewers who might see the, the the potential issues with that person's reasoning, but that they're never getting any pushback or challenge on. Yeah, yeah that could be really so that could be maddening. And especially if they yeah. do it over and over and over again, you have to like wonder, well, why aren't they doing that? <laughs> what what are they are they are they afraid to dig deeper? Or do they feel uncomfortable digging down to the deeper levels of questions? Or are they you have to start to wonder, well, like, do they actually agree with what's being said? And they're not pushing back on it because this is sort of a sneaky way of promoting ideas. I think we've had people right. like come into the server and do that, where they'd come in and they'd want to have their beliefs challenged, and it was just messaging, 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 questions of understanding, and no real pushback. I hate to say the word pushback because we're not pushing back an SE, but um, challenging might be a better word. Yeah, that could be frustrating for sure. And it can happen on accident, you know, where it's just like somebody, you know, a new SE practitioner who's just getting their feet wet or, um, yep. you know, or, or trying to figure out in their head in the heat of the moment of dealing with somebody with some really crazy beliefs, like some violent beliefs that, you know, like, how do I deal with this? Do I put on more rapport? Do I put on more challenge? You know, and, and then time can run up before you're done and you thought you had more time to ask more challenging questions, you know, so... Um, yeah. All right. Well, good talk. Yeah, that's a real good point, Chase. Thanks. Thanks for that. And I would just add to that maybe that if you're a newbie, that, that could be a good thing to consider is the type of claims that are being discussed and your level of comfort going to the deeper levels. You might want to, I hate to discourage anyone from doing like really challenging, serious topics with SE, but if you're new to it and you're doing it publicly, and you're recording it, you probably want to have a little bit more practice in those areas where you can dig deeper with those questions on those issues. Yeah. Thank you very much, Chase. Thanks, Chase. Great questions there.
So if anybody else has a question, you can hit the little like hand icon and it'll do a little quest to put on stage. Chase is the only one we've had so far, but we've have had a couple of questions posted in the chill chat and I've put oh, yeah. in Would you... the side chat there. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. No, no, if you just drop them in there. All right, this is from Aaliyah Leah Leah. I'm glad you I have attempted two? to pronounce that rather than me. <laughs> it's so it's simple, come on. Um I have two general questions. Are there any women out there practicing SE who record and upload videos? There are a handful of folks, but most like most SE content creators, usually they'll they'll generate some examples and then maybe the the, the amount of work and effort that's required to sort of, you know, dawns on them. Um, and then they sort of, you know, move on to other things. So yeah, there's a handful of people. Socrates Jones comes to mind. There was um, a woman named Linda, but I can't remember her channel is out there. I think we've got Veronica in the audience who I think has gone out and done, done some videos and is in the process of, of uploading those. So there are women out there who are doing, doing that. Uh, what was it? Sorry. Ivy. Ivy Elf is the Discord name, but I think they, Violet, yeah, maybe was she's was not another one. Only for quite a few years now, but yeah, she got really yeah. Good work as Ivy. Pe people come and go, but there's definitely we're definitely heavy on the side of of males doing SE, and I'd love to see more females do SE. I just like more general instructions slash stories slash good responses for people who engage in subjective truth and relativism. I feel like I run into truth relativism a lot. Yes, uh, that is a huge issue. So what we're talking about there is people who say, well, I guess, you know, yeah, that same reason could be used to justify some other claim that I don't think is true, but it's true to me. You know, it's a good enough reason for me. And then we usually will break out the Tic Tacs. Do you ever see the Tic Tac test where we ask them, you know, once we get a sense that somebody might be thinking in relativistic terms, if we had this box of candies and we were to count up the total number of pieces and determine that there were even in there, if somebody came along and asserted that there were an odd number of pieces in there and they asserted it because it was their truth, what would you think about it? And then that's usually where people start making the distinction that, oh, there is, there is object, objective truth. There is subjective truth. There is a difference between fact and opinion. And for the first four years of me doing SE, maybe that's, maybe that's an exaggeration, but maybe two to three years of doing SE, I didn't even really notice because I was so like fixated on the claim and the confidence level and let's get to their reasons, you know, and get down to epistemology maybe. I wasn't even noticing that there was this resistance, this, this barrier, uh, a hurdle where people didn't even think at least in the case of this specific claim that they brought up that truth was a thing that their belief could really be factually incorrect and i you know i was racking my head i'm like what's a simple way of getting through that and that's where i came up i think i came up with it the the, the little tic-tac test thing it's so useful and it's portable and you don't even have to physically have it you could just if i had a box of tic-tacs you know you don't even have to have the prop with you um, you're looking for stories uh, and s about that. I mean, I mean, there's one video on my channel. I don't remember the guy's name, but he he has a hat. He kind of <laughs> it's one of those bucket hats. He kind of looks like Gilligan, 
And I remember going back and forth with him. It was about karma. And then he started getting rel relativistic and he was really just, he was really almost intentionally being difficult about the truth test. And that's usually an indication that, that there's something really important about the belief that's being questioned because most people do think truth is objective. The classic example is you go to the bank and you ask for change for a $100 bill. And if the teller were to give you a dollar back because it was their truth, you wouldn't put up with it. But when it comes to different beliefs, we do, there are people out there who then set that aside. They're not being consistent and they will, they will, they will, uh, put themselves in a subjective box in order to maintain the belief. So it's very, it's very interesting, but, um, yeah, it's, so it's really good for any types of claims where you think the tic tac example doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, personal. So it'd be, um, personal subject, like personal preferences are subjective. Like, right. Um, it would be hard for me to like challenge somebody who said vanilla is my favorite ice cream. Mm. You know, it's the most, it's the, it's, it's delicious and I love it. I can't get enough of it. Um, but I, I don't like vanilla ice cream like they do. So that, that would be something that, that wouldn't apply. But if they, if they went above and beyond that and they said that it, vanilla ice cream is healthy and I give it to my kids, you know, three times a week because it's really good for them. Now you've moved from that per personal preference or subjective realm into a more empiricist, uh, objective realm. Yeah. yeah. So I invited Jan I said, to speak. It looks like. Yeah. Jan, come on up and then we'll get to Dale's question there right after that. Hi, Jan. Thank you. Hi, uh, there are two questions. Um, question one is there are a in the FAQ of the navigating belief scores, there are a couple of assumptions. Um, how would you yeah. say, like, uh, one of the assumptions is existence, everyone exists within a shared physical reality. reality. Uh, how would you go about doing SE about such assumptions? I've heard a few people explore that, but let me, before we, I get into that, let me just, I want to hit on that. We have a list of 10, is it 10? There's 10 things that we've identified when we were putting together the course of assumptions that you kind of have to be on board with if you're going to be proficient at street epistemology. And we've been bouncing this list around everywhere. We thought, well, maybe it's module one in the what is SE. Maybe it goes in the course intro, or maybe it's a deeper level. And then we just decided to stick it into the FAQ page of the Navigating Beliefs course, which um, if I was savvy enough, I'd share my screen and show you that, but it would take too much time to log in and show you that. And one of the questions in there is this one about that all humans are sharing the same reality. And I've heard a really good example. I think it was abstract activist, Nathan, where he bring us, brings up the example of uh, when you're playing a video game with somebody, are you in the same reality there or are you in different realities? So he brings up an example where you're interacting. Usually people will acknowledge that they're interacting with other humans. and that can be effective in helping people acknowledge that they are sharing the same reality. Now, it could be, if you do get pushback on that, it's possible that they're, 
they're using a different definition of reality. Like reality to them might mean my own personal experience. Uh, so of course, you know, definitions would be important, but hopefully by that, you know, when you get a, when you get pushback about reality, ask for the definitions of what those words mean, and then just try to use for common everyday situations. Like, you know, when you go on a bike ride with your family, are you all in the same reality as you're doing that? Or are you all in your independent realities, you know, doing that? Yeah, and that's usually, um, but I haven't seen it pursued much more than that. I also, I also meant it like the other way around, like where, where you can challenge these assumptions to see if the fundamental assumptions behind the technology might maybe be, uh, you know, worse, uh, misplaced. Yeah. By the way, if you don't mind, could you copy and paste those in the, uh, in the comments, in the stage comments? Yep. Well, I guess you can't. Uh, but the channel that Addison set up, can you drop those in there? That would really be great. Yeah, um, we, as the course writers, we, we're kind of expecting <clears throat> a little bit of pushback on those. And uh, this, uh, we kind of expect some of them to be somewhat controversial. So uh, that all of those can be SE'd. Yeah, even those, those assumptions, of course, should be challenged. And SE would be the tool that I would use to challenge those. Did you drop them in there? Because maybe I could read them. That might yes. be interesting yeah. just to get, get those on audio. To the chat there. Okay, great. Thank you. Here's the, uh, and I think the order that we put these in go from really, really broad to narrow. Everyone exists within a shared physical reality. Truth is objective and is different than subjective opinion. This goes to the previous question. Everyone is fallible and has biases. People form models of reality with varying degrees of accuracy. People use methods with varying degrees of quality to check the, their models of reality. People create words and define their meaning. That's a big one. It's, it's amazing how um, people get really tripped up on words. I just had a conversation the other day. Somebody was saying, you know, you gave this, uh, you gave this mini dialogue in the course, and it was a, it was a, a guy's name, but then you referred to them as they down below and referencing them. Why did you do that? You know, uh, they is clearly a plural thing. So there's, there's just, and then um, I said, well, you know, words change over time, and they, they took an affront to that. But uh, isn't it like the popularity? The popularity of the population determines what words mean, I think. Um, so yeah, it is, let's see here. Here's the next one. It is possible to improve the accuracy of people's models of reality. This is the whole map and territory thing. Collaboratively questioning our models of reality helps to mitigate our biases and improve those models. Higher confidence in a claim should correspond to higher quality reasons and evidence. Uh, I'm, I, we, we had some discussions about this. Uh, I'm not into, I have some, I have some thoughts on that one, but, uh, two more. Almost everyone is resilient enough to have their core beliefs challenged. That is an assumption that we tend to make when we're doing SE because we do challenge the foundations of people's beliefs and it could be quite upsetting to people. Uh, yeah, resilience also has a specific meaning here, right? Resilient, yes. 
Yeah, although please don't ask me to define it. And it is possible to have fewer false beliefs. Is that it? It got cut off there. It is possible to have fewer false beliefs? Is that it? Okay, maybe that's it. Yes. Yeah. So those might be the uh, the Ten Commandments of SE. But uh, we're definitely willing to explore those, and we're definitely not dogmatic about those. But those do seem to be big ones, for sure. Yes, since no one else has put a hand up yet, uh, there's one thing that you said uh, in yeah. clarifying these that I want to ask a question about. You said that popularity defines what the word means. How do you reflect on the meanings of words in, for example, subgroups, especially when, let's say, uh, uh, the leading philosophers on a particular subject, let's say free will or, or, or the uh, science of cognition, have a different meaning of what a, what a mind is than uh, the large population. Yeah, uh, another good example might be a theory. So in the scientific community, a theory means like a, a, you know something that's near proven to be the case, not a guess, yet the general population very often uses the word theory to mean hypothesis. So it generates a lot of confusion. I think the important thing is you need to recognize, well, which group am I speaking with? Am I speaking with a, a more scientifically minded person who gets that distinction, or am I talking with a lay person who doesn't? And then you have to shift gears. So the biggest thing is being aware that there are these distinctions in language. And that's the first thing. And then recognizing when you notice it or at least suspect it that it's happening. And then the third thing is adjusting for it. And what we, t what we try to inform people to do in SE is set aside your own understanding of what that word is and go with your conversation partner's meaning of that word for the purpose of that conversation because you want to be exploring how they're thinking about things. So why wouldn't you want to use their meanings of words? Uh, don't be so rigid about definitions of words. Be flexible in them. And then, you know, when the conversation's over, I can go back to thinking that, well, when I hear hypothesis, I'm going to think nearly proven to be the case. I'm uh, sorry, not hypothesis. That's wrong. <laughs> when I hear um, theory, I'm going to think nearly proven to be the case. And when I hear hypothesis. But I wish... I do wish scientists who do have what I would say is the more accurate understanding of that word in particular, I wish they would be more careful in how they're using those words when they're in public and they grab that megaphone and they're speaking publicly. I wish that they would educate as they're speaking, you know, just very quickly. You know, now, when I say the word theory, I mean this. While you, know, you might commonly think of it as this, I'm actually meaning, uh, I'm intending it to mean this. There's, it's an opportunity to educate people. But you're always going to have tribes that will have their different languages, their, their different meanings of these words. And it's just a matter of just, like I said, it's just a matter of being aware that that can happen. Yeah, thank you for those answers. And the original question I originally wanted to ask, second was, um, what connection, or how do you see the uh, relationship between SE and, for example, uh, humanistic? Um, organizations, humanistic organizations. I, I mean, I see, I see SE as a set of tools that can be used by any organization. Doesn't matter what organization you are. Now, there may be more organizations that might be more open-minded to the tools, 
because they perhaps maybe they're a little bit more scientifically minded, for example, because there is a sort of a scientific path of SE. So there probably are certain tribes or groups or, or organizations that might be more receptive to SE. And there might be more tribes and groups and organizations that might be more resistant to it or, or threatened by it even. So I'm always a little, I'm always a little like mystified why there would be anyone pushing back on SE at all. It is a wonderful tool for assessing people's feelings of certainty towards the claims that they're making. And you might be put off by the origin of it, or maybe you watched a video that was like, it just turned you off because you didn't like the topic or you didn't like the way that the conversation was being facilitated, or you thought that the person doing it was insincere or whatever. It's like, take a step back and look, look objectively at what it is this thing can do and how it could actually strengthen your own group. You could, you could become a much more epistemically humble organization with members who you know, are much more uh, cautious about the claims that they make. They're much more responsible with the claims that they make. And I would argue that they would probably become better, better advocates for the organizations that they represent when they encounter people with whom they disagree, because now they can actually engage with that person in a really productive way. Um, but yeah, there are, there are just some people, and it's not just groups, it's individuals too. There, there's a certain type of person that, and I'm not picking on anyone in particular, but there's, there's certain personality traits, I think, where people struggle with it. Like, Arn Ra is, is a great example. He is a great, caring, humanistic person. He'll give you the shirt off of his back, and it might even be an Essie shirt. But he will struggle when he runs, runs into somebody who thinks that, that evolution is a lie and that there's no evidence for evolution. He just loses it. He, he can't stay focused on inquiry. He has to shift to debate and giving facts. And that's something that you can overcome. It just takes practice, but there are there are just personality traits that will that will struggle with SE more. I think. I, I just thought of one more question, but I don't want to take too much space here. No, um, no, I, I don't see a lot of people lining up. And um, in fact, Addison just said, "Hey, if I want to ask my own question, I can." Is that what you said? Yeah. Or was that a, that was the message to the group? Yeah, but if you want to ask your own question, that'd be cool as well. So yeah, feel free. I might have a few questions for the crowd, sure. But go ahead, Jan. Yeah, there is um, there is this Verveke guy. Um, what's his full name again? Um, John Verveke, who talks about uh, you know the crisis of meaning and how people have their uh, projects of creating meaning. Do you see? Uh, street epistemology as a project of creating meaning. Hmm. No, not not really, but it can. Uh, I have found a lot of meaning from SE. Like it's changed my interactions. I'm much more calmer when I speak with people that I disagree with. So it has given my life meaning in that way, I suppose. Can people find meaning? I mean, 
well, I'm, it's, 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 a, it's, that's a tough question that I should probably think about some more, but like one of the outcomes of doing SE for a while, I think is that you can strengthen up your critical thinking skills. So if you're, if you're more careful in your thinking and you're making your reasoning better, then I would imagine that that would probably translate into, into some improved meaning and purpose in your life. So maybe. What do you think? Um, well, I, um, I see a lot of properties of um, like the creation of meaning that John de Verveke describes. For example, the sense of community, the sense of purpose, the sense of belonging. Um, that, um, that can be um, connected to what SE is doing, right? We have, we have certain values, we have certain goals that we set out, um, we have certain things that we, there are also certain rituals that we, that we perform by, you know, going through this, these motions of, of, of conversations. Um, that's, Yes, there are a lot of characteristics of how this can be a way of creating meaning for for yourself and how um, um, how this can influence your life and, and on a, on a very much deeper level than just um, than just making the world a more rational place. Uh, it can also in a in a more personal way create meaning. So yeah, it absolutely can be. I think um, maybe and this. And, and this, this has some far-reaching implications for how you can um, steer the course of where SE is headed, right? Because um, if, if you want SE also to be more, if you want to tap more in this uh, meaning crisis and, and, and uh, offer more to the world in that perspective from uh, SE standpoint, you can lean heavier into, for example, creating communities. Yeah, I suppose we should make a distinction between the casual person who discovers SE, maybe watches a couple of videos, maybe takes the course and incorporates a couple of the suggestions and then moves on with their life, as opposed to somebody who does all those things and then gets really involved with it. Maybe they volunteer or they decide to actually go out and do SE or write an article about it or you know, get more involved, show it to things like this. So maybe the longer you stick with it, you start developing additional meaning and purpose from it. Like I said, I, I definitely have. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'd be doing these days if it wasn't for SE. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'd be doing. So this is definitely giving my life meaning purpose, but I'm not your typical SEer, you know, as well who's been involved with it for 10 years and, you know, came in sort of on the ground floor and got wrapped up in all this. Great question. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for your question. Thank you, Jan. Should I, let me take that, oh, can I take that, uh, that text one from Dale? So Dale, uh, this might be a quick one. Um, I'm overjoyed to see suggestions to check into NVC in modules two and three. That's nonviolent communication. Are there going to be educational links to learning more about NVC in the module? Well, we do have one link or two links out to NVC, the Nonviolent Communication website, where you can learn more, you can take a class. When we were writing the course, we were fortunate enough to have at least two people on the team that were familiar with NVC, and one of them had even conducted 
training in NBC and they took time out of their schedule to teach the team, anyone who wanted to show up NBC. So that was really helpful. Uh, and then I think we even brought somebody in to give a presentation on it. We see the value in NVC, but it's a different, it's a different technique and it's a different area. So we didn't, we didn't want to like, I don't know, merge it into SE and then just like, you know, paper over it and like, oh, that was always SE. No, it's its own unique thing and there's value in it. And it's probably something that you want to be aware of. If you have a hostile conversation partner or in the example that Chase was giving where um, you might be encountering somebody who makes a claim that is really agitating you, the recognition of your own feelings and needs and your conversation partner's feelings and needs is, is, is almost up there with making sure that you both agree that reality exists and you're sharing the same reality. Because if you don't have your feelings and needs met or if they're in jeopardy, then thinking that you're going to build rapport and start driving down to the quality of reasoning is likely not going to happen. So NBC is, is really important. I never really understood how important that was until probably about two years ago. And then it says the CNVC is the SEI of NVC. Oh, wait, <laughs> I see. Have you considered reaching out to them to collaborate in some way? I think I did message one of the executive directors of that organization, introducing myself and introducing what we do and saying, I'd love to learn more in particular, how are you teaching this? You know, with written materials and in-person and online training. And I just never heard back from them, but that was, that was probably a year ago over LinkedIn. And I didn't really pursue it much more. I may have sent them an email too, but I haven't heard back from them. But uh, I would love to compare notes and, and see. I think SE might be one of those things that like it parallels. It seems to parallel what NVC is because NVC started with, uh, Mar was it, what was his name, Marshall something? Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but I think his name was Mar uh, something Marshall. And kind of like Bogosian started this thing. It became popular. People saw the value in it. They started developing websites, training materials, and now you have people all over the place that are using NVC and teaching it and that type of thing. So I think we can learn a lot from CNVC, that organization for sure. If somebody's familiar with them and wants to make the connection or the introduction, please let me know. Okay. I'm going to invite Andrew. I think it's better just to prioritize the voice speakers just in case they don't have too much free time to speak. Um, and then the Absolutely, next questions yeah. can always kind of be... So while they're coming up uh snorty said could it be more about how it is implemented by people than the idea itself when it comes to se being controversial um, i'm not sure i understand it snorty sorry do you know addison what they're saying there Are they i'm saying not sure that what that's in reference to se being controversial it's more about the controversy comes from how it's been implemented than the idea of SE. So if people are having oh. issues with SE, you can say, oh, well, yeah. SE isn't the controversial thing. It's actually good for you. It's how it's used yeah. or whatever. Like it's not the tool. It's the Right. So if you go to my channel, gosh, what, 60% of the videos are, or maybe 70 are about religion. And very often when I give talks, usually the people, the organizers say, you know, when you give an example or when you talk about it, would you mind kind of like shy away from the religious stuff? 
And I, 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 that was my default anyways, because you, you have to recognize how triggered people can get from the claims that are being explored with SE and it overshadows the technique and what it is you're trying to teach them. So it's, you'll probably notice I always use, not always, I almost always use a karma example because it seems like it's a much safer topic and it's not really core to people's identities. And even though they may believe it to a certain extent, they're not necessarily going to get triggered by it, by watching somebody think about it. And it's one of those safer topics. So yeah, that's a really good point, Snorty. It, it could be when you see how it was implemented or like the, the, the original title of the first book, right? A Manual for Creating Atheists. It tends to taint it right from the start, which is kind of unfortunate, but that's what we're dealing with. Hey, hey, always learning. What's up? Hey, how's it going? Um, just to let you know before I start, I'm I'm actually shopping in a thrift store now, so I was listening to the uh, <laughs> AMA. Um, so if it's like too loud overhead, just let me know, and I'm going to be like muting my microphone off and on. Just wanted to let you know in advance. Sure. But um, uh, but thanks for inviting me up. So the question that I had was um, uh, I've actually watched all of your videos. I can't believe I have, but I have, and they're amazing videos. Um, one thing I have seen in my experience is, um, trying to start an SE conversation natively or like on the fly versus how I see you do it and how I see others in the videos do it. Like you have a, t you know, you have a, a little thing set up, you've got a sign, you've got your clipboard, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, when you start a conversation like that natively, you don't have any of that stuff. So. Um, are there any differences in how you approach a just on the fly conversation that gets into SE versus how you do it in your videos? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you noticed that. Yeah. The, there's a huge difference. You're given a lot more leeway with SE when you are initiating a talk inorganically where you're positioning it as a as an interview which usually people have the expectation that this is a one-way thing uh, this person is going to ask me a series of questions and i'm kind of being put on the spot a little bit and i need to like talk to them about that uh, that is not the typical framing that you have when you meet somebody for coffee that you've always known like a good friend or family member you know or even like maybe you're sitting on a bench there at the thrift store and somebody just strikes up a conversation with you it might still be strange to shift into an inquiry mode where you're using SE. And that's one of the biggest challenges of SE. That, And I, I'm open to ideas on how to make that transition easier. And I, I've heard things that people do, you know, they might, they might, you know, ask them if they can explore that claim that they just made, or they might say something like, I just learned about this technique called street epistemology. Have you heard of it? Do you mind if I practice it with you? You can do that. You can just, uh, another way is just to, um, to talk about broader issues like a reality came up, but it might be kind of weird to bring up a reality talk when you're at the thrift store. It's, it's tough. I, it's, it's one of the biggest hurdles of SE is how do you make that transition to that type of inquiry. Now I have met some people who they admit that they're that type of person. 
they're just the type of person who will just casually, they don't even recognize that they're doing it because they've done it for so long. And they're, they are just that type of person who just makes those, those inquiry things. And it's natural to the other person on the receiving end because they're, that's John. John is always asking those questions and they roll with it because they're comfortable with it and they, and they go with it. And even with strangers, they're just, they're just adept at doing it, but they're, there's something it, it's a it's a barrier and it, it, it's something that i won't put two ideas on how to on how to overcome have you tried overcoming yeah. that i mean there's things yeah, that i've tried well, to do i have um i have um gone with the approach of hey um i want to you know i want to try this new method that i learned uh, street epistemology um so do you mind if I ask you a few questions? And, you know, I've even done the timer on my phone approach. Um, but with, like, relatives and friends, it feels a little weird sometimes. Yeah. You know, especially when it's just, like, you know, meeting a guy for a beer. And you're like, hey, you mind if I interview you about what you just brought up here? <laughs> it's a little weird, you know. So that it transition, is a little weird. Is a, it, it feels weird to me. Um, and then the other thing I've found is... Um, when because a lot of times you know you'll i'll get feedback um because it it's because now we're it, it's it's it, it has once was been a two-way conversation now it's kind of turned into an interview and you're asking a bunch of questions and um and so the i i think i've gotten a vibe that the other person kind of feels on the spot and i um or that i have an agenda and i try to and maybe this for, for me, it'll just take more practice to take my subjectivity out of my questions. And that's probably where it comes from. Um, but I'm trying hard to do that. And, and so I even try to lead with, hey, you know, I'm trying to be, I really just want to learn about how you got to where you got with your, with, with your claim, you know, with, with how, what you think about this. That's all I really want to get to. Um, and like how you know what you know and, or how you believe what you believe. And, and, um, but I think it's still kind of met with, and maybe it's just, and maybe, and that might also be that the person knows me and they know, they know how I am and who I am. So even try as I might, they may just still believe, yeah, he's coming at this at an angle. You know, he's got a, he's got an yeah. opinion. He wants to interject or something <laughs> like that. So it may, it may be just a lot of that. So it may just be, you know, with time. Um, but what I found is that I'll get a lot of questions asked about me. Well, what do you think about this? You know, what's your opinion on this? What, where do you come from? And I'll, and I'll say it, like, I've tried to model how you've said it in your videos. And, um, you know, and you say, well, yeah, if you ask me, I'll tell you. Um, and I'll say it and I'll try to be as brief as possible because I want to get back to them and you know, but I want to get back to you on how you believe what you believe. But it seemed, and I, and it, I have a hard time steering it back. That's, that's just my thing. Um, okay. my, my, my struggle with it. The other yeah. struggle I have is when to follow up. Um, because like when your videos, you've got the puzzle piece, you wait mm -hmm. for people to come back to you. And if they come yeah. back, they come back, you can talk and you know what you're going to talk about. But, you know, again, if I'm like, uh, here, here's a perfect example. Um, my I have a 16 year old son, um, he's, uh, 
he's like in a youth religious uh, a youth church group and things like that. So he's, you know, he has a pretty strong faith in God. And my faith has, you know, it, well, it's just gone. I'm, I'm probably at probably like a five out of a hundred, maybe four out of a hundred in terms of my belief in God now. And, uh, and so talking with him using street epistemology, we had a talk a few months ago and he basically, and I asked him, well, if, if, uh, if you saw something that completely, you know, th that was true, that completely contradicted what you believe, would that cause you to think twice about it or would that, would that change your belief? And he said, it probably would, but I'd have to see what it is, which I thought was a pretty fair answer pretty good mm -hmm. answer for a 16 year old mm -hmm. um so now my dilemma is well is he relying on me to provide him that evidence and when do i do it because i pretty much said well i think you know maybe maybe look into that and see and we haven't talked about it since and so but i'd like to you know just to see where he is just to kind right. of check in with him um and uh and and so i've been kind of at the, up to this point, I've been kind of waiting for it to come up again, but it's just pretty interesting because he hasn't gone to youth group in a while, and we haven't really talked about it, so I don't really know where he's mm -hmm. at. Um, but, uh, you know, so I, I probably just have to say, hey, you know, about what we talked about a few months ago, where are you at on that? You know, yeah. where, where you been? Just yeah, did you shift in confidence? But, or, um, yeah, you could, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's always a challenge with those things. Um, yeah. Getting getting the conversation going and then revisiting it, and it's not like yeah. every yes, people did come up and talk with me again after we talked. But sometimes I would see a person just sail right by, and we had a great talk, great first talk, and there was plenty of seeming at least on my end, I was ready to talk to them, and maybe they were in a rush, I don't know, and they would just keep sailing by. They just maybe weren't ready or didn't want to do it or whatever. Uh, you you kind of have to, I mean, as much as you want to know where people stand in it. Uh, it's 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 very personal these beliefs, especially the God one that you were talking about. So you kind of have to wait for those opportunities, especially if it's a family member or a friend. You might just have to wait. But you know, if if you feel like you're in a mood and you're you know you're joking around and you think it, this might be that right opportunity to bring it up again, like you know, hey, did you ever give any more thought to that conversation we had, and just leave it at that. Not even ask, you know, not even necessarily bring up the claim uh, because yeah, when they respond, you might get some answer that shows that they've really been thinking about it and now they've moved even beyond where you thought that they might be. Um, yeah. You also mentioned uh, about, about sharing your views. Like if, if I were to redo my videos, I think I would be more open to sharing my views when I was asked about them in my videos because I think that there's a perception that you shouldn't share your views ever. Or, you know, if you do, you do it real quick and you get back to them. You can spend as, just as much time as they spent talking with you and sharing your own views back to them. There's nothing wrong with that. You just run the risk of losing where you, where you left off. And it seems like Essie kind of builds and builds and builds. And then there's this moment of really deep reflection. And if you have these back and forths, you're, you're, you're interfering with that potential outcome of really deep critical reflection which is disadvantageous because that's what that's what the primary goal of SE is. 
So it could be a little frustrating, but sometimes that's that's just the nature of the conversation. There's an expectation that it's going to be a back and forth. And if this is one-sided or I feel like I'm I'm this this is an inquiry and I'm being interrogated, then I'm going to shut down. If you sense your conversation partner needs that back and forth, then I would say do the back and forth and share your views. Um, but model it. Always be modeling. So like when when you you'll notice in my videos too when I share my views, I'm usually sharing them and I'm also communicating my open-mindedness on it still. Like, yeah, I, I don't really believe in that, although I'm, op I'm open to hearing other people's perspectives and maybe even changing my mind on it or shifting my confidence towards it if there was a good reason to do so. I always try to leave yeah. a little nugget of, of that so that it will resonate with them. And then when it mm -hmm. comes time for me to ask them questions, finally, uh, that they might be a little bit more open-minded and that type of thing. Okay. All right. And, um, well, I, I really love the work you're doing and, uh, it's had a pretty profound impact on my life. So, uh, you know, I thank you for that. I really, really appreciate that. Um, and it has really caused me to shift a lot of my views on different things. Um, you know, things that I thought that were true and, you know, um, and I guess my last question would be, um, is there such thing as self street epistemology? Because it feels like that's what I've done to myself is, you know, I've sat and asked myself hard questions, kind of like a self interview. Like, what do I really believe about this? You know, if it were true, uh, if the opposite were true, you know, would that change my perspective on it? And I've actually, you know, and it's caused me to like go and research stuff and look stuff up and read stuff. And, you know, it's, it's caused me to change my view on a lot of things. Mm. But is that like a common occurrence? I, I think self-SE becomes more of a common occurrence the more you do uh, other person SE. <laughs> so the more that you're doing SE with others, it, it seems like invariably you start doing it on your own. Now, mm. there's, a, there's a, a quality degree of SE that I think needs to be considered. So... If you're essaying yourself on a claim, especially if it's a claim that is important to you, uh, and I'm speaking for myself too, my hypothesis, and I, 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 I sense that I might be less hard on myself or less um, critical of my own views as opposed to somebody who might be asking me those questions. I think you can get a higher quality interrogation of the quality of your reasoning if you allowed somebody to do it with you. Yeah. But you can absolutely do it on your own, and there's benefit to doing it on your own. We we do it on our on ourselves all the time. Like think about in, in your life when you had those big decisions to make. Like, is this the right individual to be in my life? Or I'm thinking about switching careers or an education or moving to a different country. That's usually when you t you tend to do the most internal reflection. Yeah. So we do it all yeah. the time, but I, th I think you get a higher quality one if you were to allow somebody, particularly somebody who disagrees with you, they're going to ask you much more challenging questions and you get a higher quality SE exchange if you allow that. Okay. All right. I lied. I have one more question and then I'll, then I'll <laughs> go. <laughs> one more question. Um, 
and I know I, I, I believe you have said this in one of your interviews before, um, but um, what was what was a time where you've interview an interviewee has caused you to shift your belief on something or your what you thought was true had you second guessed it or changed your mind about something what is what would, would you say is the most memorable instance of that well there was one conversation i had with ragnar i don't even he probably doesn't even remember it but i, I think it was ragnar and we were doing it over facebook messenger maybe about six years ago, seven years ago. And it was about whether artists should give away their content for free or if they should mm -hmm. be compensated for it. And I remember being like really about as dogmatic as like an S year typically is like maybe a 90, like really high that artists should be compensated. You, if you downloaded their music and you didn't pay them, then then that was stealing. That was my position, and then we had a back and forth, and then I I found my view shifting on that. That there were there are actually some advantages to the artist who does allow their music to get out into the ether. And this was a long this was a long time ago, and the whole industry has changed where that is almost the default model now. So it doesn't really hold up maybe much mm -hmm. these days. But that was definitely an experience that I remember that stuck with me where I've shifted. And there's been other other and, topics okay. too. Yeah. Yeah. And and you you said you were at a ninety and where did you like end up? Where did you land up end up landing? I'm probably at a forty now. I'm I'm much okay. more open to the idea. Like, yeah, I don't I don't get rankled if, if, yeah. if yeah, if my kids say that they they downloaded Again, like this doesn't really hold up these days because the whole model has changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not, maybe not. Maybe changed. not the best. Yeah, it has. It really has changed mm -hmm. quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for answering my questions. Thanks for your time and and very very interesting. Uh, very You're interesting very welcome. Stuff. And I'm planning to start I'll releasing some more videos. I've got some more videos on tons of videos awesome. on my hard drives. And Looking now that we have it. now that we have specific modules to direct people to, I'm going to start. Um, releasing the videos and then calling out where people can go to find that stuff in the course if they want to learn how to do it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Have fun shopping. Thank you. Thanks again, Anthony. <laughs> All right. But surely, right. Anthony, surely you wouldn't steal a car. So why would you download a movie? <laughs> do you remember those intros? Great argument. On the DVDs? I don't remember that one. Oh, maybe it was only a European thing, but they used to have like a little 30 second thing and it would flash up and it'd have like some really dark, gloomy footage of like people break into houses stuff. And it'd be like, you wouldn't steal somebody's car. You wouldn't steal somebody's house. Why are you stealing this DVD? Now that you mention <laughs> it, I do, I do remember that. Yeah. So got a couple yeah. of people in the queue. First one's Andrew, who was attempting to get in earlier. So Hi, Andrew. Uh, yeah, uh, thanks for having this. I was curious, especially since election season is coming up, um, if Anthony or other practitioners, if if there are times when you have persuasive conversations when there is an issue that you deeply care about, and if that if it differs, if it's really a non-SE conversation, if those conversations end up feeling exactly like SE, um, and what your experience with that is. So before you don't go you just yet because i want to make sure i understand are you saying like if it's a political discussion just, should you be using se for it yeah i think usually 
I think political is the best example I can think of, but anything that you feel really, really strongly about, like you're trying to convince people to do something. So yeah, usually politics, uh. trying to convince people to do something and it's linked to a value. Um, but the other day I got into a, um, I was trying to convince my friend to donate money to save axolotls. So yeah, it's kind of like non-political, but environmentalist. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a whole area of great discussion around messaging, and I have it actually on my shirt. The sort of the idea of should you be should you be using SE to message, or should you be sort of taking the batteries out of the megaphone and allowing your conversation partner to express their claim and their reasons, and then interrogating the quality of those reasons. And I think that there's a place, there's a place to use SE to challenge claims that you feel are important and you feel that uh, people are acting out in harmful ways because they hold a different view than yours. So I would say that, uh, that you can absolutely use SE for that. We're saving the last module of the course to talk about that. There, there's, an, there's an activist bent to SE. In fact, that's how it started, right? It started in atheism and atheist activists grabbing the tools and using it. And now that it's broadened out, and I guess you could say we're, we're, we're sort of teaching this idea of not messaging, but I do think that there is a place for it. And we know that people do use SE for it. So it would, it would be a mistake to, to not include it in the, in the discussions that we have about SE and in the course about SE. Uh, it's just the, the the degree to which you do it and the degree to which you reveal your position on it before, during, and after you're engaging. Like, if you're really well-versed in a topic and you're really against circumcision and that's your thing and you're specifically going out to talk to people about that issue, playing dumb, you know, is it's, it's, it's not a good look. You know, it, it comes across as sneaky and disingenuous. It would be much better to lay your cards on the table and say, this is the topic that I'd like to talk about because it's important to me. I've given it a lot of thought and I understand that you might not have, but if you do have a view on it, I'd like to explore your reasoning. Are you cool with that? You're, you're covering a lot of your bases there and you're setting yourself up for a good conversation where it is a topic that you're concerned about. So, uh, but there, there's different camps. I, I think that there are people who might say, no, you shouldn't use SE to push your own views or to challenge views that, that you find problematic in order to supplant them with your own. And my answer to that is the best response, <clears throat> the best response to somebody who's using SE in that manner would be to ask them if you can use SE in return on theirs. Because ultimately this is about aligning our our personal feelings of confidence on the claims we make to the quality of the reasoning on every side with the objective of trying to get closer to the actual truth of the matter. And SE is the tool. SE is the tool no matter what side you're on. So that's why I think I think we should we should be gracious with people who do pick up SE tools for that purpose of of messaging or challenging problematic claims that they're concerned about as long as they're willing to have their beliefs challenged in the same way in return. And I think that that makes it, that then evens the playing field again. That's a good frame. Thank you.
Yeah, absolutely. I hope I answer your question. Sometimes I go off on tangents and I don't ask, actually answer the question that was asked, but hopefully that was close. I appreciate it, everyone. Thank you. Okay. Anyone else coming up? Yeah, looks like we've got Gandalf. Um, and as we know, Gandalf always arrives precisely when he means to. So we'll uh, add Gandalf to the stage. Well, uh, thank you very much for that introduction, Addison. I to the name there. Uh, hi, can you hear me okay here, Anthony, everyone? Yeah, you sound great. Perfect, thank you. So thank you very much for having this AMA. Uh, I really appreciate being here, being able to ask you. Um, so my questions are specifically about SCG within close relationships, uh, handling difficult topics through SE uh, in close relationships, and maybe a little context to this is um, my girlfriend trying to convert me to her religion and me doing my best to respond uh, with SE as agnostic atheist. And I have to first say thank you, Anthony, for your videos, because the only reason we're still together for the last two years, um, me being able to take the SE approach has been instrumental in us having this in a more loving way. But I still want to ask, like, if you have any specific recommendations around being delicate with these kinds of topics within close relationships and also continuing with SE when your partner seems fairly unwilling to be critical of their views after a span of time. Yeah, that's a, a great question and a very, very common one. Because mm -hmm. most people who are drawn to SE are, are drawn to it not necessarily because they, they have a pet issue that they want to go out on the streets with and talk with people about, but it's their loved ones. And I remember I was in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, and I was uh, giving just a really short presentation, and then we had a table, and then there was a woman that rushed out because she was just besides herself because her husband was involved in QAnon, and she just didn't know what to do. So I, I think that you can do SE with family and friends. But it's, it's that shift from normal interactions that you have with them where they will allow you to ask the type of questions that need to be asked when you're doing SE. That's, that is a, it's such a huge challenge. We talked about that a little bit before, but one of the things you could try to do, well, number one, you have to respect their boundaries for one thing. If it's not a topic they want to bring up, then you have to ask yourself, like, at what point am I going to be okay with that? because you also have your own boundaries and your own needs. Um, a shift to NVC, like we talked about earlier, the nonviolent communication could be really crucial. Like, we, you have this view and I have this view, and uh, it's, I feel that I can't really be myself when, when I'm around you or something like that. And, and encouraging them to express their own feelings and needs back to you. But even that shift to a conversation can be really tough for people because it gets awkward and that type of thing. Um, one other, one thing that you could try is, uh, as opposed to like doing the NVC or just waiting for them to bring up the opportunity. Um, let me just hit this real quick and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the other thing you could try. But I also have a, a, a an extended family member who, wants to talk to his spouse about religion. Very probably very similar to your situation. And what he opted to do is just wait. So he waits every time that 
his spouse mentioned something like, now why are they doing that at the church? He saw that as an opportunity, like, okay, she's opened the door now and I'm going to, this is, I'm going to talk about this and I'm going to ask one question. And this was, this was years and it's paid off. Like it, it took probably five or six years to get to that point, but they now can talk about this issue and it comes up much more frequently. Uh, but another thing you could try is is just talk more broadly where you're not even bringing up the specific claim that you really want to talk about, but you're talking about something more general. And the street epistemology survey is so good for that. There's there's like 24 questions in there. Just look at that list. Write down one or two that you think might be good to like just ask broadly at some point if you think the the, the, the time is right. And the questions are meta. They're they're very, very broad, but they they hit on things that come up all the time when you're doing an SE talk. Like, what does evidence mean? Or are we sharing the same reality? Might be one of the questions. How do you think words get their meaning? These are just really broad questions that are that are epistemological in nature. And what tends to happen? at least when I've seen the survey being conducted, is that the people participating in entertaining those questions bring up specific examples. So it's likely that your, your loved one could bring up the very example uh, that you're hoping that they'd bring up. And even if not, that's okay, because as we've learned over the years and as we put into the course and as we've seen with Hidden Claim SE, the claim is not as important as the reasoning that's happening. So uh, shifting from the claim and, and all, this, all the sensitive emotions that come with that and the ego that's tied into that and going more broadly and talking about reasoning in general can often get you to the end point that you might be hoping to get to. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Anthony. I'll definitely check out the NPC, the SE survey focus more on the reasoning yeah um, it's hard when it's so tied up with identity isn't it yeah very good and i've asked my loved one if he would ever consider writing a blog post or something so that there 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 are many many people that have successfully been able to use se with loved ones and they, they've figured out ways to overcome those hurdles but those examples we don't have video examples of it we just simply just anecdotes and not very good ones at that. So if, if, if there's anyone in the listening audience that has had success using SE with loved ones, family and friends, et cetera, uh, share your examples. Let us know what you did differently in order to, to have the conversation start in the first place and allow it to continue without it becoming awkward or the, the other person wanting to shut down. So hopefully I've given you a few things that you can talk, you, know, you can think about yeah, that was great. And uh, thank you again. You, your videos really are the reason why we've been able to stay together, have these conversations more lovingly. So thank you, Anthony. That's, that's great. Thank you. And uh, you've reminded me, Glaucon, aka Gandalf, of the converse. There's three videos on my channel. They were one of the, the very last ones that I've uploaded with, a, with a, a guy who discovered that his wife is a young Earth creationist and was teaching their kids that the earth was very young. And he, he was going to college and learning anthropology and science, and he was just besides himself. 
And he attempted to use SE with her and it just did not go well. So he came up to me and we had three conversations about, about his attempts and things that he might try differently. And, and it was a really good back and forth. So if you want to check that out, that might be good too. So there's no questioners with the hands raised at the moment. So if you want to ask a question to Anthony in person, uh, hit the little hand icon and it'll put you in a queue and we'll pull you up. Hopefully it's not too overwhelming, all these questions straight after one another. How are you How are you finding the AMA so far? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's going good. We'll probably go for another maybe 10 minutes or so. Cool. Um, this might be a good time to have... mention... Oh, was it two hours or one and a half? No, no, you go. I'm not sure. It's, it's however long you want to do, right? So. <laughs> I, I think an hour and a half would be fine. Would be uh, and I'm going to try to do these every couple of months. So there will be plenty of opportunities if you miss this. Uh, this, I think this might be a good time to mention the course that we've released again. Uh, we've released phase one of the course on street epistemology. It's called Navigating Beliefs. So if you go to navigatingbeliefs.com, you'll see the login, and you can learn about what SE is, why to use it, the ethical considerations that are important, the pre uh, preparing to do SE, I forgot one, having the right mindset, preparing to do SE, and building and maintaining a rapport. All that's released, it's free, and there's a really great interface that you can use with a mobile device or a browser, and there's knowledge checks in there. You get a tip sheet. If you if you complete every uh, each one of those modules, you'll get emailed a tip sheet that you can use as a reference, and then we even send you a certificate of completion, and we're getting some really great feedback on the course, and it's, the system is very stable, and it looks awesome on a variety of different platforms. And we are also doing review shows on each of those modules. We've already done a review show on the Street Epistemology YouTube channel for Module 1 and Module 2. We haven't yet scheduled the one for Module 3, but I'm sure that's coming up in the next week or so. And uh, please check out the course and tell your friends about it, too. Okay. Okay. So in terms of written questions uh, i put a little emoji on the one that we need to answer next and it starts with why does the se course uh, from chase why does the se course say to steal man others instead of just accurately repeating them it's kind of the same thing isn't it yeah maybe maybe sometimes we get a little wrapped up in our terms like when you're in sort well, of the, the if i can hmm. maybe give what I think he's, he's trying to ask. There's a difference between steel mining, which is given the best version and repeating back somebody's beliefs, which might include a lot of fallacies, but you're trying to accurately repeat back what they're telling you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe in some instances either, you'd rather do one and not the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, there's a real close line between active listening and steel manning. And we, we definitely want to, don't want to straw man people, which is like, taking the most uncharitable interpretation of what they're saying to you and just running it with it and like, well, Hey, you know, that's what you said. So I'm going with it. You definitely don't want to do that. But yeah, steel manning is, is, um, and we're going to be mentioning, we're going to be writing about this in module nine, but that's, that's where you, you really do listen very carefully to what they're saying and you charitably interpret and try to give the, the best interpretation back to them. Now, there's some discussion about whether you should be adding on to strengthen their argument. I don't necessarily think that that's the case. 
but you do want to um, work with their best reasons. So, um, and sometimes they don't have really, you know, your conversation partner may not have a good reason, but whatever reason they're giving to you, you want to charitably interpret it and try to view it in the most, the, the strongest way possible. You want to try to view it as they're viewing it. As opposed to active listening, which is, is um, essentially repeating back in more or less their own words so that they, number one, can recognize that you're listening to them very carefully and you're demonstrating that you're understanding them. And you might actually, how many times, and this has happened to me many, many times, I'll active listen and repeat back what I'm hearing. And they say, well, that is what I said, but it's not exactly what I meant. And that's great because you're getting closer to understanding and you're working, you're really cleaning up and clearing up um, your understanding of their model, which is really good. And, so, and the other thing I want to say is like with straw manning, steel manning, sometimes we do use these words that are more internal lingo to SE communities and uh, debate communities where maybe your, your typical person doesn't even know what that word means. And it might just be easier just to use simpler language than some of those fancier terms. And uh, that does remind me in the course, when we do have words like that, there are certain words where you hover over them and we'll show you a glossary definition as we're defining them in the course. So it should be less confusing for people. Great questions. Uh, well, Addison, if there's nobody else that wants to come up, I think maybe we can wrap it up. What do you think? Yeah. Um, just want to say, obviously, on behalf of everybody else, thank you very much for doing this. It's very much um, like well-received. Obviously, we've got a lot of interest and a good amount of people turned up. So thank you, everybody. Um, make sure you check out the you know the places and the links and the courses and things like that, the ch YouTube channel that Anthony has suggested. And uh, yeah, share around the video. If you're watching this on YouTube, give it a thumbs up. And uh, that's about it from me. <laughs> Thanks for hosting, Addison. Really appreciate it. Yeah, we'll try to do these. <clears throat> what are they talking about? Like maybe every two months or every quarter, something like that. Yeah. Try to we'll try to keep these going. And I'd I'd like to see other people do these too. Like uh, Reed Nicewonder from Street Epistemology International. He's the president of the group. I'd love to see him doing this uh, and ask me anything. Any board members from the nonprofit would be great. If you're a content creator. People, you have you have information that people would really like to hear about. Like, what is it like going out and, and setting up a table? How do you deal with your nerves? These are all questions that people, I think, really want to hear the answer to. The Street Epistemology Podcast is a production of Street Epistemology International. The views, guests, and topics expressed here, or not expressed here, do not necessarily represent those of the organization.